You know, I need a beer. I can't do this. Over. Hold on. I'm too nervous. Give me one sec. I got a beer right behind. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Fuck Rock Dog! <laughs> All right, ready? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck Rock Dog. <laughs> Fuck Rock Dog! Hello again. Welcome to the Cinematic Tangent. I'm one of your hosts, Chad Michael Van Alston. And as usual, as always, and apparently, quite literally forever, the great Bradley Rudder is here. Brad, how are you? Hey, that's me. I'm good. Wow, man. This is this is crazy. Ooh, a lot of feeds uh, like uh, coming alive again for the first time in years. Probably no logo, a lot of broken links that I go through and fix over the last few weeks, but Cinematic <laughs> Tangent is yeah. back. This is not a mistake, friends. This is not... This is really happening. It's 2022, and we're back in your ear. It's been many years, and uh, many years since we started this project, Brad. I just looked it up. Four years. Man, that's insane. June, June 25th, 2018. What was the last? That was the last show we released? That was Isle of Dogs. Holy shit, dude. That's insane to me. So much has changed since then. I don't know if y'all heard, but uh, there was a global pandemic. Yeah. That was that was fun, yeah. and uh, yeah, you know, nuclear war on the horizon. I figured it's time, Brad. For the cinematic change in to return, but also I kind of want this to be a new beginning. Look at this, I got goosebumps, Brad. Oh my god, this is <laughs> rubbing my nipples right now. It's really exciting. <laughs> you and I have been talking about bringing the show back for well, a while, Brad, because um, when we started this, we were literally in our early 20s. We started the show in 2013, yeah. I think was the first. Remember, like, one of the first shows we ever recorded was like when the Star Trek movie came out, and that never saw the light of day. And then we recorded, I think, uh, a show on Zack Snyder's Superman as our first episode, Man of Steel. Man of Steel, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, that's how long the show's been around. And, like, so much has changed in our lives since then. You're talking, like, I've lived in three different states during that time, four different states. I was homeless for a brief time. I I had to live at a grow-up in California when weed was still illegal. <laughs> and then now I'm an adult with a real job. And, like, you know, I've lived with different girls at that time. I've had different dogs. Now I've had two different dogs. Brad, you've also had major life changes throughout that time. Um, yeah. I got married, got a dog, bought a house. You got married? I did. You were there. Wow, I was there. That's right. I was too busy drinking with your mom. (laughs) Stealing her beer. (laughs) Yeah, stealing her beers. But it's just one of those things where um, we, I want to restart this show, um, but I also want it to be sort of a new era because now we're in our mid-30s, Brad. I'm turning 36 in just a few days, which is fucking insane. Um, Jesus. And uh, I feel old as shit, dude. Um, But, like, so much has changed not only in our personal lives in terms of, like, who we are, but also, like, in my views and like the the sort of values and I you know and um, opinions that I have have really really changed over time. Like um, you know, younger me was much more of like a libertarian rascal, and older me is you know kind of left leaning rascal. And <laughs> rascal. <laughs> and you know, like uh, so when I go back to some of those old shows or whatever, I would get a little cringy and a little embarrassed. Um, but also like I've decided I want to keep them up. Um, I want this to be a continuation of what that show was. You and I, Brad, have a long history of producing media together. Cinematic Tangent was but one of the projects we've done um but yeah so this for the, all those people who have been there welcome back um and for all those people who are new consider this like uh era two for the show i'm just gonna roman numeral those bitches and pretend we're starting at one brad your thoughts i like it 
do you think now that it's like a couple years gone, we could maybe release the It Show? <laughs> maybe, Brad. I'll tell you what. When my net worth surpasses a certain amount where I can't be canceled, <laughs> then I promise you we'll release the It Show. <laughs> if I die, you have my permission to release it on this feed. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, so, Brad, um, one of the reasons that I, I wanted to bring the show back, and I know that you and I have been talking about it for a while as well, is that because... I don't like film anymore, and I think that's one of the reasons why everything sort of died off. And it's like um, at some point in time in 2018, um, I had like major life changes going on, and like uh, you know, like I've like many of you have struggled over the last few years. I'm quite sure. Um, and uh, but one thing that sort of changed is like there's a large cultural phenomenon that's been going on, uh, and uh, it just seems like no one is able to have any kind of honest conversation anymore. And this includes film, and I think that this is some degree. One of the reasons I wanted to bring the show back, not that it's going to have more than a few listeners, um, but I don't enjoy any film media anymore. I can't read any reviews or listen to any podcasts. It's all shit. And I want to bring a show <laughs> into there where like, we can have an honest conversation about our experience with fucking movies without worrying about adhering to some weird uh, seeming like, you know, some weird ethical ethos um, that everyone seems to be really obsessed with. Brad, you know what I'm talking about here? You know what I'm getting at very I loosely? Do. Yeah, um, I do. I do. It's yeah. the it's the calling a movie good or interesting because it has a female director or a diverse cast. Right. And while I think those things are important and I think there is a place for those conversations, I don't think film criticism is the place for it. Yeah, exactly. I, I, it's just a, it's an annoying thing to to like read reviews that that feel like they need to like prop that up and and sort of like overqualify uh, like every comment that they make Uh Rather than just saying what they thought of the movie, you know, and yeah. I, I just want like a genuine opinion on on what you saw rather than saying like, oh, it's really admirable that they cast a wheelchair bound actor to play the wheelchair guy. Like, <laughs> I don't care. I really don't yeah. care. Bill. Bill uh, yeah. Bill Burr has that joke about like where they were, that they were mad that a quadriplegic didn't play a quadriplegic in a movie. I, you know, like that kind of stuff is like that's all criticism is nowadays. And I'm, I'm not talking mm -hmm. about just like rags, like screen rant. All right. Which are fucking yeah. embarrassing. But even like scholarly stuff like Film Quarterly, which I had a subscription to. It's all like queer cinema, ladies in cinema, black cinema. And it's like. Okay, all of these things are great. Like, I'm glad that we're getting more representation in cinema. I'm cool with that. But we have to be able to have a fucking conversation about movies that isn't in the realm of these identities. And I don't understand why that's so hard to, like, imagine because it was only a few years ago where that was possible. But, like, somehow this new ideology has really, really swept the country. And I'm not doing, like, a anti-cancel culture rant here, bro, even though it sounds like I am, Brad. <laughs> I just want an that's honest conversation about films, you know? That's, that's yeah. all I want. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think a lot of people, there's always been sort of snobbery amongst critics, but now there's like this weird ethical connotation to it where if you're not on board with what the critics are saying and you're not on board with what like the film media is doing, then you're not only wrong about movies, you're a bad person. And I just want to fucking combat that. I want to have an honest conversation about film. So simple as that. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, it's, it's funny, like you say, you, uh, you started to like dislike movies over yeah. the past couple of years. And like, I kind of had a, a similar, like I, I've watched way less movies. Like in, I, I guess maybe since the pandemic, like, Same. I don't know the last two years, I, I think I'm like coming out of that now where I'm, I'm watching much more lately, but like, I don't know with sort of franchise movies. Like I, for a long time, like we did a lot of them on the show 
for like the whatever five years we did this and I like Marvel I Cinematic Dungeons Universe. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we did quite a few. Um, but like, I, I always, I always like when saw those just to kind of be a part of the conversation and like, you know, sort of stay. I don't know with contemporary culture, I guess. And then like, it just kind of reached a point. I think it was like Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Whatever I can't remember whatever that still, sequel still was called. Seen that, so. But I was just like, yeah, I never saw it either. Even though I love that director. Um, yeah, telling you. Yeah. Yeah, didn't even know if you fucking amazing. Um, but it just it just hit a point where it was like I just I, I don't I I really just don't enjoy the conversation about these movies anymore. Um, and this was actually before the you know the sort of ethical grandstanding that critics do now, um, and just more about like the where it became more about uh sort of discussing where the next film was gonna go rather than discussing what this film did you know so like i, I yeah. just remember seeing like star the first new star wars movie force awakens and like the conversation afterward was like literally just all about what the next movie was gonna be and not what we just spent two and a half hours watching it was did just you ever like, see the final one the the new skywalker trilogy no the the last skywalker <laughs> me either <laughs> Yeah, but it's funny. Like, I just don't care. Like, uh, you no. know, I, I'm a huge Star Wars fan and, uh, you know, again, love talking about movies. But, like, after watching two of those Star Wars movies and having the same conversation, I just had no interest in seeing the third one and having the same just meaningless conversation about it. <laughs> like, Yeah, I think you're touching on something important. It isn't necessarily all that I think that movies are like movie criticism is really getting performative and based in sort of this woke religion, which I'm going to throw out there is like, that's my opinion. I agree with Dr. John McWhorter. I think he makes a good argument about it. Um, but it's not only that, it's that movies themselves also suck now. Um, and like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the ultimate example of this because Brad, I've got to concede something. You were right. And I was completely wrong. I got burned out on those things really, really, really fast. Um, I never, I didn't even watch the last two Avengers films until years after they came out. Um, I did not, I haven't seen several of the movies that are coming out now. I have no idea what the fuck's happening with Spider-Man 11 or whatever the fuck it is. You know, Doctor mm -hmm. Strange enters the Fox movie universe or whatever the hell's happening. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like, I'm exhausted by it. And it's like, none of these movies anymore are, um, None of these movies anymore are self-contained entities. I always feel unfulfilled by them. And in a way, they make me feel in a lot of ways that like capitalism does, where like Amazon does or Netflix does, where I constantly consume and I constantly take from it, but I'm never quite satisfied with what I've, what I've purchased or what I've seen. Marvel mm -hmm. seems to have adapted that model where it's like playing on my existential misery as a person. And the films are like, they're woefully unenjoyable. And like, if you enjoy them, that's fine. I don't like them anymore. And I can't even like go back to them and watch them. I don't know what's happened, yeah. but like, they're not movies to me. They're some sort of large um, computer generated product that's designed to prey on what I need to consume. And that's an endless amount of these fucking films. So. I don't know. It's just, it's, yeah. it's it literally driven me out of liking movies because those are half of the fucking movies in the theater at any one time. They really are. It's outrageous. Well, I, yeah, I guess, I guess it's just more about how that has, um, sort of spread into, into other areas where now you just have like, there's, there's such a weird phenomenon now where like there's an assumed sequel, you know, like yeah. <clears throat> I, I just saw the Batman last night and, a lot of like I read a couple of reviews uh, from critics that I really like, and they 
almost all of them mentioned like you know i I wasn't really that into this one like it was it was okay i had its high moments and you know it's kind of average overall but like i'm actually kind of excited for the next one it's like it's this weird thing where like it's just automatic what did you think of this movie dude what about this one oh my god i mean granted like they they did it's not like they just completely sequel teased but like there was there's just an automatic inherent assumption that there will be another one and we will all see it and like i'm I'm just not it's like this movie's just act one this movie's just act one right is that all this is Mm -hmm. yeah God damn it! Sorry to talk over you, man. I apologize. I'm just, I'm just angry no. and passionate, Brad. <laughs> no, that's fine. And, and uh, speaking of Denis Villeneuve, um, you know, like I was, I was super excited for his Dune until I found out it was Dune Part One. I know. It was literally Same half of a here. movie. I was so I bummed. <laughs> I didn't see it. And like, um, it, it's that kind of thing because, like, the Marvel model has proven financially successful, which is why I was brought into Star Wars. To your point, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, The Force Awakens became this hub for a bunch of other movies that I've never fucking seen and I'm not going to see. Um, and now we have literally, I mean, literally, like, there's a Han Solo movie. I mean, the Boba Fett series. And now there's, like, a Obi-Wan series. And it just seems never-ending. But also, people obviously consume it. If it makes money, they're going to keep doing it. So, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And the, the other yeah. thing, too, is, like, to sort of combine the two arguments, um, my apologies, real quick, I want to make this point. One thing that Marvel's sort of also are like Disney's been able to really do is sort of attach these films to whatever the current trend is. So a good example of this, and I did not see the movie, so I'm not speaking about the quality of the film, is there was this social media generated stop Asian hate movement a couple years ago because, I don't know, Trump made a joke about China virus or something. And then Disney was able to shit out a film with an Asian superhero during that time to market to that hashtag. So it's like this film, they literally just brought this out because of the social media trend as a corporate product. So then all of the people who are also really, really happy about this like act of wokeness where you're re- having Asians represented in movies, they're also being led, like, led astray by a corporation that has decided, like found a way to profit off that kind of momentum that people had. And I just found it really, really sickening. But like talking to people, you think like I'm the biggest racist in the world. They're like, no, Asian superhero getting representation in these movies. It's like, yeah, but don't you think the timing's a little suspicious? Like, mm-hmm. don't you think like the fact that they just brought this out, like while this whole social movement's going on, it's like a little disingenuous and it just seemed to be lost on people. But like that just proved to me ultimately that these films are just consumer products. So they knew it would make money and it did. <clears throat> Simple as that. Well, that's sort of a, that's sort of a strange thing about um, having them all be directly related, you know, yeah. where you're having you're having movies now. They're essentially sequels to movies from 10 years ago, because like uh you know, Tony Stark in the original Iron Man, like the first one or two of those movies, like he's a womanizer and like they're <laughs> a little bit sexist. And, you know, then you fast forward to today and they're not and they're like aggressively not so. And yeah. it's just kind of like these, you know, like we, we always made the, you know, the point <clears throat> years ago when we would talk about these that like they're not directed by any one person that, that's sort of like a by committee corporate product and there is no better example than that where yeah they're just sort of capitalizing and changing with the times which i think is a that's i guess that's maybe a good thing overall but like it it just discussing them as art or as anything of real value beyond just entertainment for the two hours that they're on uh i i just kind of don't think they're anything more than that yeah and that's the thing it's just a thing to watch while i eat popcorn 
Yeah, okay, that's fair. Or I for someone else to watch, because I don't fucking watch them anymore. <laughs> I did. I have not seen a Marvel film in years. So like, no, no knock to that film with the uh, the Asian hero. It may be fantastic. I don't know. But Shang Chi and the Legend of the Eight Rings or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't even remember the name of it because I don't care. I don't watch these movies anymore. And you know what? I no. love Sam Raimi, and I'm not even going to go see his Doctor Strange. I'm just not going to go. see I know. Him. I was. Yeah. I was like. Uh, it, it was a week when I found out that he made that. I was at once super excited and super bummed because it was like. Hey, Sam Raimi made a movie again, and maybe it'll be good. And then it was like, mm, but no, it won't. <laughs> no, it won't. Yeah, dude, they have Pat, they have literally a Patrick Stewart's voice in the trailer. I'm like, no, thank you. Anyway, <laughs> but like to, to circle back, this may be an area in the show when we sort of explore like our different views on stuff where we might disagree. Um, I don't necessarily think that the film's adapting to the time is valuable because I always go back to. Um, this idea that, like, I'm not, and I'm, again, not a fan of Ayn Rand. I shouldn't have to say that. Uh, I think her work is kind of embarrassing. But she has a really good, uh, um, you know, a really good um, thought about comedy where it's it's ephemeral, and that means that it's not inherently art because it's always commenting on what's happening in the current time. And I think, like, this is becoming the weakness of film. Someday when all of this kind of hysteria passes and this moral hysteria that we're in regarding race and identities and all this kind of stuff passes, and I think that it will, we're going to look back at a lot of these films and think, like, that they're kind of a joke. They're just like a time capsule of their era. So they're not... For me, for me, watching them is like almost like having a bag of chips. So once it's over, it's over for good. No one's going to go back and watch a lot of these movies ever again. They're not going to be able to relate to a time in which social media wasn't dictating the kind of art you must produce. So I just it, for me, it's just like a, it, this is like the shittiest era for mainstream movies ever. And even indie films, man, like the ones that get funded, like I had read some I don't even, I'm not even, I'm not even going to find it. I'm trying to do show notes for anything I cite, but I had read some blog not too long ago where it was like about indie filmmakers and they were talking about how like they're not going to write or cover anymore that are like made by white people. It's just like, who does that help? What are you yeah. doing there by like eliminating an entire group of people from the larger discussion about film? I just don't understand who benefits from that. And no one, like it just, it's not a, there's no compelling argument um, that I can take away from like eliminating white people from independent film because then you just get white people dominating corporate film and they're just going to appease the masses and it's going to be all shit. So good luck. Well, it's funny. Good it, luck. Because like, <clears throat> you know, saying who does that help? Like, it's a good point because like how many filmmakers are there? You know, how many films get made in a year? Like a couple hundred get released theatrically, like 500. Like, you know, so how many people are you really benefiting there? you know, or hurting. It's just like, it, I, I don't know. It, that's such a weird thing where like people put it up to the filmmakers themselves to do, I don't know, to, to sort of, I don't know how to put this really, but like, I don't think it's up to any one individual film to, you know, solve diversity or representation. Like I, I think people should make the movie that they want to make. And if they're lucky enough to get to make one, then I don't think they should have to, adhere to anything you know any any sort of like standard on who gets to play what i i, I don't know you're sort of silent and it's scaring me no 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 i'm not i'm not silent at all i literally actually think you make a good point one of my favorite okay. writers right now um one of my favorite writers and i, I will link to him in the show notes right now is freddie DeBoer, and uh he's a he's a marxist writer and one of the things that he always sort of emphasizes is right now in the culture 
And he does not use the term cancel culture or wokeness, but he wants you to define whatever this movement is. But one of his big criticisms is that forcing diversity into these elements is putting everyone in a white people standard. And he talks about how he was sitting in a coffee shop one day and it was all of the white employees at this coffee shop. And they had a big mural on the wall about like all of the achievements of black people in February. And he could, he Mm -hmm. said that his first thought was like, this is a bunch of white people pretending for them that black people are living up to their own standards. So to him, this mural for like February felt like the most racist thing he could look at because at the end of the day, this is saying black people are inferior. And so on this month of history, we're going to celebrate the accomplishments that have made them more like white people. I got to tell you, I 100% fucking agree with that. And uh, I think that he's a really valuable writer. You can find him over at Substack. Um, you know, he's been published in a lot of different places, but he writes a lot about film and art and music too, in the same kind of vein where when you're forcing representation and inclusion into things, you're inherently saying that you're not as good as white people. And I just, mm-hmm. I don't know how to escape that. And I understand that that's a really unpopular thing to say. And if I had a Twitter, you all could yell at me on there, but I don't. So, you know, fucking <laughs> spare me. And, um, you know, but like, I, that's, I don't know how to view it any other way. If you are constantly operating in this sort of field of identity at all times in which everyone who's not a white male is a victim of culture, then you, you're not really making progress just by including people for the benefit of white people to clap to it. It just seems very superficial and performative to me. I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. how to see it another way. And I think that's one of the sort of the ethos of the show that I want to work out because I just explained that very poorly. Um, uh, I don't know who this, who's developing all these ideas, but I really have trouble believing that it's anyone other than, you know, white people who are already relatively secure. So just, just to rant yeah. about that a little more. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I guess to sort of like cap off the point that I was poorly making <laughs> it's just that like, I, I poorly think made it's, it too this is stupid <laughs> yeah I, I mean it's fine this is gonna be one of those things that like you know you say you you cringe when you listen to like old episodes of the show like yeah, yeah i mean it's fine we're gonna we're gonna fuck up yeah occasionally but or often maybe but um <laughs> no I, I just think it's like i do think representation is an important thing and i do want to see stories made by every different kind of person under the sun Fuck um yeah. 100%, I, I, I just think it's I, very clear like 100 yeah totally agree yeah yeah I, I just think that uh it, it's something that's more on a like uh, the the studio side of it where like I, I just think you need to give different types of people opportunities rather than forcing the people that do get opportunities to do a certain kind of movie and i just think that's boring Exactly, it is. Uh, so I work in public relations uh, in my personal life, and uh, one thing that's sort of happened over the years that I've run into multiple times is that we'll have, like, um, you know, just using a very, very vague example, like a black woman that works at a company, and, you know, we'll approach her and be like, hey, you know, we need to do, you know, like, we thought we'd pitch this as the idea of, like, you're a black woman, and isn't it really hard for you to work in tech and stuff? And she'll be like, uh, I don't want to fucking talk about that. I'd rather talk about my ideas. And it's like, oh, yeah. okay, you know, but like for us as like the white people trying to be woke, that seems really, really strange to her, to us that like that would be a kind of a racist and insulting idea. But to we me, we granted you this opportunity. So. <laughs> yeah, we're granting you this opportunity. Exactly. We're, you're so lucky that we are allowing you to speak. And that's the issue I have with film. It isn't that like there's more black or Asian or gay or whatever the case may be, trans, whatever it is. It's not that all these kind of like um, figures are entering the space and like they're getting more shine. I want that, but I want it to be organic. It shouldn't be based on just the identity in, in and of itself. And it shouldn't just follow a social trend. 
Um, and again, to mm-hmm. cite Freddy DeBoer, he had a whole thing recently about how there's a video game that came out was really popular called Elden Ring. Uh, but sort of mm-hmm. this idea also applies to film where, um, you know, people were mad at the game because it wasn't um, it wasn't designed for them. And a lot of people were trying to make it like a, a disabilities thing where like the game was too hard and they had ADD. So elements of the design weren't good for them to play. And like his whole point was like, well, then don't fucking play it. Uh, but the idea that like corporations should alter their art based on who's screaming online means that you don't mm-hmm. have art anymore. And that's how I feel about movies. We don't have art anymore. They're not art. Maybe they were never art to begin with. I don't know. But whatever's happening in Hollywood right now, like you, you have a hard time calling it art, even if it has more representation, even if it seems more woke and more like open minded than ever. It's faker than it's ever been. And I cannot fucking stand it. Um, and I like it's pretty rare that like I go to like a movie made by Disney or something. And I think it's good anymore. I don't know. It's, I don't know what's happened in the last few years, but they're all shit. They're all shit. So I guess that's going to be a theme of the show. <laughs> yeah, uh, we don't need to, I mean, it's been six months now, but um, it's sort of putting all of this together. I feel like uh, No Time to Die, the latest James Bond movie, is sort of a perfect encapsulation oh, of a lot of these points. Oh, my Jesus, where... don't get me started, Brad. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> I got to step yeah. away for a minute. yeah the whole idea of like uh using uh characters or sequels you know uh redefining a character or you know something to to speak to the times like i feel like there's no better example than no time to die he dies for Uh, a woman brad (laughs) (laughs) bob dies for a woman fucking gets missiled by russians in an island or whatever the fuck the plot was because the plot sucked God damn but it. But he had a stuffed animal in his hand. <laughs> he right. died for his daughter. <laughs> Someone wrote that down, and an executive was like, this is good because people will tweet about it. That was the entire f- the fucking theme of that movie. And then you know what? The Bond is owned by Amazon now. The worst company in the fucking planet mm-hmm. who's literally crushing unions and, like, firing minorities who are trying to, like, form unions, you know, crushing people with wages, making them pee in bottles. But, oh, my God, they got woke-ass films. They got another example of this is fucking Nomadland, which <laughs> <laughs> literally might as well be a lit- corporate propaganda film for fucking Amazon, but also it stars a really cool woman that we all like and has this great story about her living this kind of independent life. So I guess we have to like it, even though it's made by and obviously seems to be funded by largely, not made by, but funded largely by Amazon, the worst fucking company in America. It's ridiculous. It's so fake. It's so fake. I just can't fucking stand it. Sorry, Brad. I'm ranting. I don't know if No Man Land was. I don't think that was an Amazon film, actually. No, but it wasn't. But obviously, Amazon funded the film. No, they, they, they had some. The <laughs> they had some There's interest in a, there. <laughs> <laughs> it was somehow worse than everyone let on because I was prepared for the idea that she worked at Amazon, but I didn't know that she had like an Amazon t-shirt and be in the fucking Amazon cafeteria and like her job. It's fucking Oh, insane. she loved it. That oh scene where God. they like, where they're like, oh, wow, what's your, oh, you got Morrissey lyrics tattoos on your arm. That's cool. Like, wow. You know, what do you have on your arm? Like that whole thing of like the camaraderie where they're all chilling in the in the break room or whatever. It's just like, yeah, that that doesn't fucking happen in Amazon. They're all fucking depressed and just looking at their phones for five seconds before they have to go back to work. Yeah, the guy was in, the guy with the Morrissey tattoo just went out and scraped his <clears throat> brains off the sidewalk outside. Off the <laughs> like that's what happened in real life. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The, the worst part about that movie is like when it's revealed that she, you know. So like all all this, you know, throughout the whole movie, we're watching her like 
shit into a bucket in her fucking van next to where she eats and all this stuff. And it sounds horrible. And but like the whole time, it's like, oh, well, you know, she's kind of making the best of it. That's kind of cool. And then she gets a way out. And, you know, we find out that like, no, she wants to do that. It's just like that actually just seems like the whitest thing ever. <laughs> it is. It is. It's literally like that's that's what I hated about the film. It's not for best picture. Like, and people were praising the shit out of it because, again, it's this corporate wokeness where it's like, hey, you know those people that were treating like garbage and they don't have enough money to have, like, basic civilized things like a toilet? They want to be here. and We provide them that life here at Amazon. Look, James Bond died for a woman. Look, a black dwarf king. Look, we're making all of this. <laughs> you know, like, Amazon, like, dude, no matter what it is, Amazon's going to have on their website a black power fist for, you know, when during George Floyd protests, which I participated in and supported uh, during Pride month they're gonna have the pride flag for disney and mean, yeah and for disney yeah <laughs> and me <laughs> or disney, yeah. yeah but meanwhile these companies dressed up like buzz like, lightyear exactly <laughs> buzz lightyear and rainbow yeah but meanwhile like these companies are fucking evil and like they they support actual like for me i guess like what it comes down to the end of the day is uh my ethos is that the marginalized people in our in our society are poor people homeless people and addicts Everything else is secondary. Race, gender identity, whatever it is. All of that is secondary to how much money you have and, like, uh, you know, how much autonomy you have over your life and you're allowed to purchase. Like, and, and I don't know how to, like, break myself away from that. And I think Amazon preys upon the idea of identity. And Nomadland is a great example of this where, like, it's poverty porn that presents someone that, that in our society would probably be an addict and be miserable presents that as a positive thing that Amazon is facilitating this person's life that in real life would certainly not be this happy. It's just fucking, it just drives me fucking insane how fake all this is. And that's what I think the ethos of the show is. And I understand, and I apologize to everyone who's listening because I know that I very poorly explained um, a lot of my views. <clears throat> Brad and I did not take notes before this and we're like, you know, we're obviously a little, little rusty. I haven't reported, a, I haven't recorded a podcast in years. So, mm -hmm. yeah. It's funny, like, I, you know, I, I mentioned that I've been watching a lot more movies lately, and one of the things that I'll do is, like, you know, on my days off, I used to just wake up and, like, kind of just dick around for a little while, and now I'll just, I'll put a movie on. Because, like, I, for a long time I got into this weird funk where, like, I felt like I needed to, like, have the perfect setup and, like, wait until it was dark and where I wasn't going to be distracted and I needed yeah. to, like, pick a really good movie. And, like, kind of just got away from how I got interested in movies in the beginning, which is just watching them and like just having them on whatever. So like, I'll just, I'll just put a movie on in the morning and just fucking watch whatever. I won't even think about what I pick. Uh, <clears throat> the other day I watched stronger, uh, which was that I David Gordon green film, um, about the guy who lost his legs in the Boston marathon bombing. And it, like, it kind of reminds me of what you're saying here where like, you know, it's this guy who lost his legs and all these like this whole city and his whole family, like they just keep saying like Boston strong, Boston strong and like put these banners up and like how cool is that? The Red Sox engraved Boston strong into their bats. And meanwhile, like it intercuts, he, he's like on the toilet and he falls off reaching for the toilet paper. And it's just like so many people missing the point, just kind of like waving a flag when like this guy is actually experiencing real pain and trauma and uh, like emotional oh, no, no. unrest. That's because that's ableist of you. He's handicapable, <laughs> yeah. obviously capable of the exact same things you are. <laughs> Legs are meaningless. 
fucking ridiculous. That kind of shit is yeah. so stupid. <laughs> fucking ridiculous. But like, it, it's funny because like, I, you know, I, I sort of skipped that movie initially. It came out like four or five years ago, and like, I just thought it would be like this stupid inspirational sports movie or whatever. Uh, and instead, it was like this huge critique on like culture and how people <laughs> view like these these weird events where you know from a distance we could just say like yeah how great is that and we put a patch on our jersey so that guy's going to be fine it's like yeah, no the, the he me, lost the his fucking legs by all the guys who are definitely guilty of me doing someone <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's like, fuck, like all these like meaningless <laughs> gestures where like no like these people are like it doesn't help any of the people actually involved like that doesn't make any real change or difference in a person's life that guy still can't reach the fucking toilet paper and gets a bloody nose because he falls off the toilet. Like, yeah, that movie is made in 2017, know. though. That was before a lot of this. Honestly, like, it's really, really taken over real quick. Like, the Trump era ruined everyone's fucking brains. So, um, right. you know, and like, neither Brad nor I like Donald Trump. But the point is, is that whatever his presidency did, it amplified sort of already cultural trends already there. I don't know if that movie would be made today. I mean, they'd be yelling that Jake Gyllenhaal didn't amputate his fucking legs before he started in that film. I haven't seen it yet, but... <laughs> I mean, yeah. They, That's they my probably point. would, actually. <laughs> yeah. It probably would be... A, like, because, you know, it's funny. Oddly enough, uh, last week, one of the movies that I watched, like, in the morning was The Upside, which was that movie where Brian Cranston oh. plays a wheelchair-bound actor, and he yeah. got roasted online for... I remember that. For... That's insane. Yeah, and you know, the oddest thing about that was... Um, in the same month, like I think a week later, whatever that Shyamalan sequel to Split and Unbreakable was, I yeah, can't I remember what it was. Either. Glass, yeah. I think it was Glass. <laughs> uh, that, that that came out, and Samuel L. Jackson is wheelchair. Nobody said a fucking word. Well, that's because he's one of the weakers. Uh, as not a white male. I don't know if you know that. That's how it works. Uh, the world is just the blind side now, Brad. The ethics of the blind side, which I think is the most racist movie I've ever seen. Um, that's just agreed. the world we live in now. Like, that scene is progress. So, good luck. <laughs> but it does. it is sort of funny that you and I used to rant about how stupid that movie is. And now that kind of logic of it is considered, like, an advancement in the culture. Yeah, it's so funny because, like, people were, like up in arms about Brian Cranston and it was literally like a week later glass came out. Nobody said a fucking word. I mean, all so these arguments weird. are meaningless. If we all get nuked to death. Um, and I, you know, but like, uh, I recommend the writing of Wesley Yang. Uh, he writes a lot on like cultural issues and stuff. And he, uh, sort of, uh, proposes this idea that like, there's an issue right now where no one is able to think outside of this idea of like white people versus everyone else. And he's obviously Asian. His name is fucking Wesley Yang. Um, but one of the reasons that I became really attached to him is I went to Virginia Tech and he wrote a lot about the Virginia Tech shooting afterwards and sort of the psychology of it and stuff. And all of that's really, really good stuff. But I've been following him for years and he was responsible for writing a lot of to bring things back, a lot of like the stop Asian hate stuff. And he was like, well, wait a minute, and, like sort of broke it down, like the way the media was reporting on it versus the facts. And like, you know, um, you know, like one of his sort of things was the media was misreporting on it on purpose because they didn't want to see that most of the hate crimes against Asians were coming from black people because the argument has to be that it's white people versus everyone else. And he thinks that that is an indication that there's a moral panic similar to a witch hunt because we're not we're not representing facts correctly, but everyone feels like they're acting in a way in which they are morally superior by pushing a narrative that is not true anyway. And, like, I, I don't, like, for me, all art is starting to express that. That's why I think it's really important to have an honest conversation about stuff because 
quite frankly, I want to see white people make movies. I want to see black people make movies and Asian people make movies and gay people make movies. And like, but I just want those movies to be genuine and to speak about the commonality of the human experience that we all share. And if there's an element of that that has to do with your gayness or your blackness or whatever the case, or even your whiteness, whatever the case may be, that's great. But the film, like film for me is a medium that speaks to the larger issues of class and the human experience that we all share. And that's why I've always liked film. And um, because anyone can make it and anyone can express themselves uniquely. But if you're manufacturing what people must express, it'll never be good. Even if it's correct and ethically sound, it will never be good. And like, that's just how I feel about it. And that's how, if you disagree, email the cinematic tangent at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, um, that's about all you can do because I'm not on social media. So thanks. <laughs> uh, but I'm happy to have a conversation with anyone. I really am. So, yeah, no, I, I agree, though. Uh, I, I think that was actually well said. Uh, and yeah, I agree. Let's, let's wrap this the fuck up. Ladies and gentlemen, this was just a quick intro. We're very, very rusty. We're sorry. Um, and uh, also, like, we, you know, this show, part of this show that I, I and I'm going to keep this is that we're going to say shit in here that we disagree with and that we think is stupid, and Brad and I are going to cringe at it when we play it back. I want to keep it out there anyway, um, you know, to a limited degree. I'm going to edit out all Brad's keeps yelling the N-word the whole time we're recording, and I just have, I'm going to chop Come all Come on. <laughs> Leave a couple but, of them, man. <laughs> but, you know, like, other than stuff like that, we're like, you know, we have, like, legitimate errors. I'm going to edit those out. But, like, I want the show to be fallible and flawed and wrong and i want brad and i to be open to change because like i was an award-winning you know somewhat right-leaning columnist when i was in college and like over the years or whatever like i've developed like a real um like you know just very different sense of politics you know like um and uh i mean probably disagree here because we just talked about cultural issues but like you know i'm a socialist now to a lot of like on any kind of issue you think of uh, i mean it's just one of those things where like i've grown and changed since my 20s when the show started Brad, you have as well, and it's 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 such an honor to be friends with someone that long. It's such a beautiful thing to have, and uh, so if the show has mistakes in it or things I disagree with it or I look like a fool in it, that's fine, and if you don't like it, don't listen to it. It's really that simple. So this is uh, something that Brad and I want to do, and we want to bring in people who want to have the, the same kind of honest conversation as us. So speaking just – I shouldn't speak for you. I'm sorry. So – well, No, no. I mean I, I, I think I agree with most of that except for editing out – words that <laughs> I'm just kidding uh, <laughs> no but like I, I, you know part really of the funny. way that I that I learn and like develop my views is by talking to people who are smarter than me and that you know one of those people is you so oh my god like, I feel yeah, the same way about I, you my friend please wow oh wow this is just very wholesome but no I, you know I, you know a lot of these things like I don't I don't think about every hour of the day, you know, so like sometimes just like when we're talking about them, I, you know, it's sort of like the first time my gut reaction or, um, you know, just kind of like a, a first take and yeah, sometimes it's going to be wrong and sometimes it's going to be dumb. And sometimes I'm going to look back on it three months later and go like, Oh God, I can't believe I said that. But like, yep. that's, well. that's how I learn. And, you know, Maybe it's important to look back on something and cringe because that means you've, uh, I don't know, developed a better understanding of it. I mean, that, that's correct. I'd rather, I'd rather be genuine and flawed than just like performing the act of some ethical ethos that I don't really know if I agree with. So it's as simple as that. Um, it's sort of odd, too, that like I feel like there's a little bit of like fear you have of like whatever this sort of 
crowd has where like they'll destroy you but don't you remember when this crowd was just like you and i got destroyed when we did like an american sniper episode and it was like not patriotic enough <laughs> do you remember like when that was the crowd to be feared and you know we just kind of waved in their face anyway and i'm gonna do the same thing here i don't care and what's funny about this is like the people who um there was like something to do in the george floyd protest where i this is when i finally deleted twitter but like i got doxxed by a bunch of insane people on there over saying something innocuous like i, I mean like la- like literally innocuous like i'm not embarrassed at all i don't even know what it was or what the situation was but my point is is that all these people who are really mad at me if we sat down and talked issues i would agree with them on almost 100 percent of issues like you know yeah. what i mean it's one of those things where like they they're just they just want you to conform and act and perform and speak and use the words that they use and i'm not going to do that i'm not interested in that i don't care like if that scene is like racist or transphobic or gay i don't care anti-gay like i don't care i'm not going to perform that act for you but if you want to talk to me about issues and values and like where I stand on things or my opinion on things, I'm so willing to have those conversations. And that's what I want this show to be about. So um, I guess like that's all I really can say about it because I'm going off the rails, Brad. But <laughs> <laughs> but I also think it's um, I also want to have a good time with this. And uh, it's supposed to be a really fun show where we drink and laugh. And uh, I hopefully we get back there and get back in the rhythm because we're a little rusty today. So, yeah, yeah, it's going to happen, though. All right, wrap it up. Yeah. All right, Brad, my love to you, my friend. Uh, this has been The Cinematic Tangent. You can find us at thecinematictangent.com. This will be available on most podcast services. Um, we're working on music and logos and to make the thing more professional. We can also find us soon on Spotify, Pandora, all those kind of jazz sites. Um, but if you want to email the show, go to thecinematictangent at gmail.com. Send an email. Either Brad or I will respond to you. Um, and I'm happy to have a conversation with each and every one of you, which just means DJ Pimp Daddy, our only listener. Thank you, DJ Pimp Daddy. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm Chavin Alston. And I'm Brother Ritter. We are out. We'll be back very, very soon with a normal show about movies that are out in theaters now. Goodbye. Bye.